Hello, everyone. Welcome to another special episode of Marcus and Eric Learn Stuff from Smarter People. My name is Marcus Monroe. Today, I'm joined with one of my favorite performers in New York City. He's a comedian, but he's also known as he's a storyteller. You're a storyteller. I tell stories. You tell stories. And these stories are so fascinating, so detailed. He paints the picture beautifully. I'm here with Jeff Zimmerman. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, man? I'm it's great. Zimmerman with an S. Did I say Zimmerman? You said Zimmerman. Oh, I said Zimmerman. I know everybody, it's Zimmerman. Right. Everybody, everybody thinks it's Zimmerman. And then, and then, and Zimmerman. Yeah, then they say Happy Hanukkah, and I have to let them know. Ah! Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, but yeah, I'm here yeah, with here. Jeff Zimmerman. My bad. Hi, it's okay. Hey, bud. All right. Hey, Marcus. How, How you are doing? Thanks for having me. Right. Well, I'm happy you're here. How did you get into storytelling or telling stories? What do you like to call yourself? Man, I just want to be, I just want to tell funny stories. You do. They're really funny. And uh, so whatever people want to call me, I'll take there. I do. I find, well, I'll get into this in a second. I find that like there's kind of. People, the word storytelling is a big word that people use a lot right now, and it means a lot of different things for the same word. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you hear, like whenever you hear somebody who works in advertising or marketing, be like, well, what we really are is storytellers. It's just like, oh my God, no. Right. You're just trying to get people to use this <laughs> mouthwash or whatever. It's not, <laughs> right. you're not telling the story. Um, and then there's this whole, like, I, so I started getting into storytelling because I went to the, I've always been the guy who like, People were like, hey, well, you got to get Jeff to tell that story. And all my friends from home, I grew up in Virginia, are just really good at telling stories. And it's all we would ever do. And like at parties or whatever in college, people would be like, oh, Jeff, you got to tell them about the time. To... And I would be like, I will, but that actually happened to you, not me. But And they'd be like, will you tell it better? And I'd be like, okay. And, you know, and I would do it. Yeah. And I was doing this a lot. And then, one, and then I was living in D.C. after college, and a good friend of mine – up here was like, Hey, you should come to New York and you can do this for not just be the most like interesting dude in this corner of the dive bar, but like, come do it for real. Oh, wow. And so, you know, she gave me the impetus to move up here and took me to the moth and, um, the moth, many people know the moth from the podcast or the radio show, but what it was at the time was like, they would post on their website, a theme, like making peace or into the wild, and people would go show up at a venue and then, and you had to wait in line for like two hours to get a ticket. And then you'd get in, put your name in a bucket and they would draw 10 names on that theme. And then those 10 people had to tell a five minute story on the theme of like making peace or into the wild or whatever, whatever they it was. just make it up? Well, you should just have it, have oh, the story, I see. you know? Okay. And one of the things I started to learn is that like, well, you kind of have stories and you find different ways they can slot into a theme, Ah, you know? So your story about um, your, your steak in the toilet on, yeah. on the, on the airline could be for, it could be a Thanksgiving story. Sure. It could be, oh, right. it could be about cooking. It could be about disasters. It could be about terrorism. <laughs> what? You know, and like, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It could slot in all these different sure, ways. Yeah. And so, but yeah, you stand up, tell the story, and then people rank it like figure skating. They hold up numbers like nine point two or seven point three. Oh. At the moth, they at do the moth, this? The, the, the moth slams. They do that, and wow. I would try to win. And I just wanted to get better and better and better at it. And I got into stand up because I was like, I'm not getting enough stage time. Um just telling stories at storytelling events. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't think I wanted to be a stand up for a while because like. When you would see stand-ups come to the moth, 
The storytelling is often seen as the T-ball of stand-up, um, like the genre, just because it's like it's a lot more nurturing and it's a lot more comfortable. Uh, audiences are much more patient. You don't have to have a joke or a tag every ten seconds, right? Sure, but you seem to though. I try to. Yeah, that's the goal, and that's. But I do. But it takes a while to get there, and um, I try, try, try to do that. But like. And, and honestly, people are much more welcoming and friendly and nurturing once you remove any hope of financial success. You know, people are just kind of doing storytelling to be doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's really beautiful. And I, I feel like to develop as an artist, you need kind of like a strict like drill sergeant and then like a nurturing art mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. the storytelling world was the nurturing art mom and comedy is the drill sergeant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then, so I started doing, so I just want to get better and better on stage. And I started going to stand up open mics and I would tell stories on stage. And, and it was like, there used to be this open mic in Chinatown that this dude, Lucas Kaiser ran at a place called Brit pack studios. And you got 10 minutes of stage time wow. Monday through Thursday. Whoa. So I would just go and try everything and it was weird because like it was a loft and Brit pack itself was a um, hostel mm -hmm. that was like illegally operating in the loft. And then it was, then there was an illegal venue in the illegal hostel and that's where we would have the open mic. Mm -hmm. So you'd be doing your, your thing. And then some like French lady would push a baby carriage across the front of the stage and be like, bonjour and just go <laughs> sit down. Or like a bunch of Israeli tourists would just eat cereal in the living room and watch you and not laugh because they don't speak English. But I, I started working on it there. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Then, and then bring, like if you can crush at this hostel. Yeah. Like you could, you might, that story would probably crush at a comedy club. I, well, right? cause like the, think, the elements aren't good for, right? Like that's yeah, what I think. Like if, yeah, I, yeah. if I can take my bad jokes and they can crush at a, you know, a brightly lit, like, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Hostel, I guess, uh -huh, yeah. uh, you know, with a, you know, some guy eating cereal and mm -hmm. he kind of chuckles. Then I think if I put it on stage, I might do well. Yeah. Well, what I did find though, and what really made me get into stand up or like storytelling style stand-up was I had the opportunity and I'm not saying this to like name drop, right? Because well, oh, we I'm, love name drop. I will drop a name. Drop, I'm going to drop it. a name so hard. Um, but I knew Michael Che when he was doing bar shows yeah. in Brooklyn. He did my, I used to have a show at union hall and he did it and he put on Facebook and this is in 2009. He was like, Hey, I'm doing a breakout artist series at Caroline's. Anybody want to host it? And I had just been on This American Life, uh -huh. and I thought, oh, yeah, of course, Ira Glass has approved my mm -hmm. comedic witticisms. Surely an audience full of drunken tourists in Times Square uh -huh. will get it. you know. And so I just said, if you're asking on Facebook, I'll do it. And I should not have done that, and I bombed horribly. Ah, so he had, said yes? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had no idea how to host a comedy show or do anything on end. He was fine. And and like his career lifted off about 25 minutes after the show. It was just like, he was like waving at, at the space shuttle. As yeah, a, he really had a crazy lift. Yeah, it really went. Yeah, and this was like on the way up. And he was he was really nice to me about bombing. And I just remembered every phrase because that's how you learn. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, you'll notice that like Mulaney, Cosby, Louis C.K., all the storytellers. Like I was like, what about them? Why did I bomb? And, and he was like, well they close with a story at the end of a one hour set. 
you got to come out and earn that trust. And it's like, you better get those laughs in the first few minutes. So I started trying to pack those laughs into the first minute or two of a five to eight minute story. So your, so your structure Mm -hmm. is now like you think of the first, if you want to break your story into like three acts, yeah, yeah, yeah. your first act is more stand up y than it is like storytelling. You just got to establish who you are and what you want. Uh-huh. Like the your character and your stakes with a joke. So tell a funny self-deprecating joke about what you need and why. Right. And then if people laugh at that, then they have accepted, "Hey, this guy's a this guy, I'm on the road with this guy." Mhm. And then you just have to use jokes to lay the lay the bricks in the path of the story. Okay. And then use other jokes to like along the way to like comment on it and keep the laugh count up. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So was that seems like really good advice Che gave you. Yeah, it was, it was the last time I ever talked to him. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it was just like, all right, well you're on a different planet now. You right. Know what I mean? Right. And yeah. uh, I mean, you, you know, I don't, he, if he, if I sent him an email, he might or might not write back, but I don't, I, it's like, what do I, what do I, I got from that experience, what I needed, like that five minutes of, awkward talk mm-hmm. after the show or this the bomb stink is rolling off of me mm-hmm. in waves mm-hmm. <laughs> see even that yeah. even the bomb stink rolling off of you in waves is such a you're you're painting the picture mm-hmm. in just like how you're talking right now yeah well like it seems like this is like a technique that you like kind of like put in your normal vocabulary when you're talking about things, right? Like it, yeah. you're, you're like, you're very like, I, I have a podcast. I can barely speak. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's refreshing to have someone else on here. Who's, who's really good at words. Oh, thanks man. I mean, I don't know. I always, I just always thought, you know, you should, if you're going to paint a picture, make it as vivid and unique as possible. Sure. You know, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm back there. like sitting in my bomb Mm-hmm. filth mm-hmm. you know like like i just wrecked an airport bathroom right and then he walked in you know right. and i was like dude and he what he told me in those five minutes it took like another 10 years to apply but that uh-huh. was kind of the mission that i kept yeah coming back to so fascinating yeah so when did you start doing like storytelling stuff full-time like when do you make that transition um I left a corporate job. I had a, I was the director of digital communications at Time Warner Cable for uh-huh. five five years from like 2008 until yeah 2013. Ooh. And I left in 2013 because I was just like burning out at work and like I thought I was burning out on that job, but it turns out it was just capitalism that mm-hmm. I was burning out on. And um, I felt like I'm doing all this stuff for other people to make money for them, and it's just not rewarding me in any way. And all I want to do is get on stage and tell stories. And like most of the guys I went to college with that I'm buddies with are in, um, are, were musicians and they were in like emo or hardcore or metal bands. And they were right at that stage where half of them were quitting because they were like, I'm sick of being in a smelly van in Europe. Mm-hmm. I just want to have a yard and mm-hmm. like some children that I see. Yeah. And the other guys were like starting to blow up and are now playing stadiums in Sweden or like, so like, yeah, like one guy, this, this guy, Mike Schleibaum I'm friends with is a guitarist for the band darkest hour. And they're currently on tour in Colombia. And then my other friends, friend, Jonathan Fuller started this influential emo band and they broke up and he has three kids and owns his own music recording studio in Richmond. And like, 
likes his life. Mm -hmm. I was doing neither of those. Right. So I was like, I'm not going to know. I I don't care which one it is. I just want to have decided. Yeah. Riding the fence makes your balls hurt. Right. Yeah. So I was like, let me, I had saved up enough salary for a couple of years. And I was like, let me just leave. And, And I had a really great boss who quietly put me on a layoff list. So I got favorable. I got like severance and some other stuff. And I just started doing it all the time. Yeah. Hitting it. And, um, but it's hard cause a lot of open mics and stuff in the city are, you only have like three to five minutes. Yeah. It's so nice that you had 10 minutes in Chinatown Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And that dried up. Yeah. But like it, well, if you have three to five minutes, it's like, well, just tell the jokes, write mm-hmm. the jokes that say, just have the jokes that's the, or just tell the first three to five minutes of your story. Mm-hmm. And then, then you know that. I mean, the first three to five minutes are the most important part because if that's no good, then the end won't work anyway. Right, exactly. So, like, I, I, you just go do. I had a. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to step <laughs> what it, but I didn't see where you were. The light was blinding me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, <laughs> we'll okay. edit that out. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. We're, we're not going out to lunch together, though. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, no, I, I, it's okay. I'm I was trying to be discreet, but then I was like, I just look like a dick. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'm breaking your balls. Um, <sighs> so, uh, what were, oh yeah. So it's just like, I had a Muay Thai coach one time who was like, yeah, he used to be a cage fighter. Oh my God. And he was like, you know, if in a fight I would break my right hand, mm-hmm. but I still had another fight coming up that I had to train for. So I can't skip the gym. So you break your right hand, just throw lefts. And if you can't throw, if you can't, if you broke both hands, throw kicks. Mm-hmm. If you can't do kicks, do knees. And if you can't do that, ride the exercise bike. You can always be doing something right. to move forward. So I just, that's just kind of what I did. And, and honestly, like, look, I look back on it and I'm like really glad I did it. And it's, it's what got me whatever skills that I have. Yeah. But I also burnt, it's also a recipe for like severe burnout. Oh, I would, I, got. I would imagine. Yeah. Which I got. Yeah. And now I'm kind of in this, like burned out really hard in 2019 and then, um, COVID hit in 2020 and my, my second album, which I am really proud of came out three weeks before the George Floyd incident. And so like, I didn't even feel like promoting it. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, of course. so I, you know, and my, my father got really sick in 2020 and I was taking care of him for about a year. He had, he passed away from ALS and, um, I'm just now kind of like trying to reemerge and be like, who am I? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know if you got a Lord of the Rings adjacent audience here, but mm-hmm. I feel like fucking Gandalf where it's like, I've been fighting this Balrog in the pit for so long. And mm-hmm. now I'm just like, Gandalf, I remember that name. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I'm trying to, trying to get out and reestablish, but what's so, so weird, dude. Have you noticed this? Like, like I thought there was no comedy going on. Right. And I went to a show last week to check it out and there were 10 people on the show, way too many comics. And I knew none of them and they were all pretty good. And the, the show was packed. It was like, I was like, what the, it was like, it was like the very end of, of planet of the apes mm-hmm. where it's like, what well, you guys have been doing this the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you kind of feel, you kind of feel left out a bit, but you're well, like happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be there. But Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like I just walked out of a very boring time machine. Sure. Anyway, I answered a lot of questions. You no, that's ask. great. I've been monologuing. No, which, I, I, this career. is yeah. this is perfect. This yeah. is this is fantastic. I, 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 I'm really enjoying it. Do you ever find yourself like putting yourself in weird situations because you want to maybe like, oh, maybe this will be a story later? 
I did that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I did it a lot. Listen, dude, I had a, a band with two piano playing chickens and, uh, <laughs> and, um, I worked as a kangaroo shooter in the outback and I used to like give things a nudge a lot mm -hmm. to like see what kind of story it was. But then like a couple things happened where I realized like some things happened beyond that I didn't like. And I realized I was giving it a nudge too hard. And I like, I don't want to be treating the world like the vending machine for content. You know what ah. I mean? I don't want to be walking up to things and just smacking the side of it and hoping a free honey bun falls out. You know, like, let me, let me just be a person and pay attention yeah. and pay attention to my responses. And then what comes out of that is going to be a little bit more honest than like seeking it out. You know what I mean? Sure. I, look, I wrote for vice magazine in the early two thousands. So I'm acutely aware of that, uh -huh. that strategy and it works to a point, but then, um, you know, one time I like, there was this dude who had this really, really, really fucked up haircut that I saw in Williamsburg. You talking about me? No, okay. no, you have a regular haircut. <laughs> this dude was had the, the worst haircut I'd ever seen, and I drew a cartoon of it on my whiteboard at work and took a picture of it and wrote a little funny blog post about how fucked up his haircut was. Mm -hmm. And then Gawker picked it up, and then they started putting out like a bounty for him, like give us your photos of the Williamsburg hair guy mm -hmm. based on my drawing. And people were going up to him in cafes and laughing at him. And they knew they found this guy? Yeah. All from my stupid blog post that I did in 25 minutes just to be silly. Uh-huh. And it had a, like, definitely negative effect on this guy's la yeah. life. And I was like, all right, I don't want to just be treating the world like my little thing to mm -hmm. milk. Did you ever talk to this guy? I sent him a message one time, actually, on, uh, I forget where I found him, but I just sent him a note, and I was like, dude, I wrote the blog post that started all that, and I had no idea what was going to happen, and I'm just sorry for him. Yeah, you didn't him. name him, or like... Even... I didn't name him, but the haircut named him. Ah. Uh, he was like a... What did it look like? It was like a mullet, and then like, he, he had like male pattern baldness to here, uh -huh. and then like a flat, spiky flat top down to mullet. Ah. Uh. And so it was very distinctive. Yeah. But it was like, I don't want to be, like, I moved to New York to be around people that do crazy shit. Yeah. Not to be making fun of people. I don't want to be one blade in the razor that shaves every interesting thing away from this city. You and yeah. words are amazing, Jeff. Well, God. I like to think, well, I, I, this is my, my, my analogy. I think that like your brain, I think of your brain as like a, like a topiary you know, mm -hmm. like a bonsai tree. And every night you, you, you dream and you wake up and you process your day and you wake up with all of these like interesting protuberances. And then you just turn your phone on and look at fucking Twitter. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. Shaves everything right down to a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me get rid of everything that makes me stand out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're, you're kind of coaching storytellers. Yeah. Yeah. I teach classes. I got to come teaching a class tonight and I do like a lot of corporate stuff where I teach to, um, a lot of corporate stuff because I want to do I want to do more of it, but like a lot of businesses want to learn how to tell a story rather than just do another you know PowerPoint mm -hmm. which nobody cares about. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you and I work together, you yeah, know, and um, it was really fun. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your hiring too. Um, and that's the thing is, I end up making friends through these things because it's like, yeah, I charge money for it at first, and at the end of it, I'm like. Just like hanging out with this dude. Now. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. We've hung out a few times, yeah. had a good time. Yeah, and yeah hopefully yeah. maybe this week we can hang. I would love it. 
but yeah, so like it's people come to me like you did and you're like, I got this story. I want to get it to work on stage. And um, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And for me, like, it, cause I've been doing it all the, all the, all the time. Like I can sort of see the patterns that things would fit into. And then it's a, it's a conversation. Like, what did you want or where does it go? And kind of mushing it into these pattern archetypes. I mean, what was it like from your, from your end? Did you feel mushed into a, a, a template or? Uh, no, I mean, I thought it was very like free, free flowing uh-huh. as in a way, like very conversational. Like you and I talked about the story. And if you don't know the story, it's the uh, stakes on a plane story that if you come see my show, you will see the story. I don't want to give too much away on the podcast, but it's pretty funny. Um, and so I kind of just like told you what happened mm-hmm. and then we kind of like joked about it. And like, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Like, yeah, write that down, put that in there. But uh-huh. you helped me find like what you called the North star, which is like what I was trying kind of, you, you know, as a comedian, I'm, I'm set up punch. I do a lot of one liners, a lot of quick things, mm-hmm. things about my life, very short jokes. I never really did any long form. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, I need someone who's a master at long form. And I'd heard you in another podcast, mm-hmm. how crazy now we're full circle. Here we go. man. And I was like, Oh, this guy knows what it is. He knows his stuff. So it was just kind of like editing the story, mm-hmm. adding in pieces to make other pieces make sense, to hit harder, to have callbacks, to, uh, yeah, and, and it was breaking it up into acts. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and this is, I think the big thing with any story is like, it should always be answering the question, like, why didn't you just like go home? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it you doing that? Like, why did Marcus put that steak in that toilet? Mm-hmm. Why did he put that video on TikTok? Mm-hmm. Why did you keep it up? Why did you like, well, like identifying your role in all kinds of situations being like, oh no, I'm here making choices. Yeah. You know? And, um, but it was very therapeutic talking it, about it. Cause I was like, why did I do that stuff? Why, why did I do, put a steak, like yeah. grill a steak in the bathroom of a Delta plane? Yeah. Well, it's what? like, and, and it's okay to be a silly attention seeking motherfucker, yeah. you know, but you just have to, you have to know that Yes, and know that the audience is going to think that and then bring it in. You got to be self-aware enough to know that. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. Um, winding down here, Jeff, you're now on TikTok and yep. you're crushing it. Crushing um, if you want to see some of Jeff's stuff, find him on TikTok, Jeff Zimmerman. Yep. And, um, do you have any shows coming up? Can we, anything you want to get out there? Anything I want to get out there? What do I want to get there? I would encourage you to check out my album, why you should be happy. I have a podcast called the reluctant Phoenix. There's two seasons of that out there. That I'm quite proud of that's inter- interviews with people who is live, who have had to totally re- re- reorganize their lives, whether or not they wanted to. And, um, like I interviewed, um, Gary Goldman did it, which was mm. awesome. And then, uh, the guy who worked for the Department of Corrections who blessed the mass graves at Hart Island for all the unknown COVID victims in New York. He's a Ooh. Buddhist chaplain. He was really great. And then, um, yeah, it's just a, just, a, just a lot of fun conversations there. So I would say, yeah, Reluctant Phoenix podcast, uh, the album Why You Should Be Happy, Catch me on TikTok and please uh, consider booking me on all of your shows. I will. Yeah, get Jeff's yeah. a great, great guest. I mean, not only is he hilarious, but he has a way with words that is is I'm just so like I, I respect so much. And Thanks, I want to I, I, I strive. I admire you. I look up to you. I try to be more like Jeff. Uh, <laughs> that's the goal, everyone. Yeah. yeah. I want to suck his dick. All right, everyone. <laughs> Cats out the bag. All right. It's it's uh, it's not that great an experience. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes, well. I'm told. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. Thank you.
The New York Comedy Club podcast is back with brand new episodes, interviews, and jokes. Take a look behind the curtain as we discuss all aspects of the comedy world. The origin of a joke, the writing process, the business side of things, and, well, things that are just funny. Get to know your favorite comedians, discover new comics, and get a first-hand look inside the Make Em Laugh business with the New York Comedy Club podcast. Brought to you by Paperhouse Network.